Good morning, everybody. Please open your Bibles to Matthew 25 this morning. Matthew 25, as I prepare to preach. Who here has ever played a good game of hide-and-go-seek? Come on, hide-and-go-seek. I know some of you out there have played this. In fact, I would almost bet, if I was a betting man, that all of you have played hide-and-go-seek at one time or another. How about you children? Gabe? Hazel? Zoe, Caroline, Titus, Colton, Lon, Alexa, all of you other children out there, Elijah, Husey, I know you have played hide-and-go-seek, including you adults. Please raise your hand if you've ever played hide-and-go-seek. I know for a fact that last weekend my two daughters were playing hide-and-go-seek with some friends, but they were playing on ATVs. Wow. Hide-and-go-seek is a lot of fun, and I used to love hide-and-go-seek. In fact, I still play hide-and-go-seek, but normally the people who I'm playing with, they don't know they're in their game until I jump out of a closet and scare them. (laughs) Especially when we get older, we love hide-and-go-seek. I remember as I got older, as I was a teenager, we would play neighborhood hide-and-go-seek. We would play hide-and-go-seek outside around the whole neighborhood. One person would have to count while the other people hide. You know the game. And we would hide behind rocks, behind houses, up in trees. But sooner or later, sooner or later, you would always hear that one person or group selected yell that phrase, ready or not, here I come. And you better be ready. But in the game of hide and go seek, it's not being ready to be found, but it's being ready to not be found, to be hidden, to be missing in action. And in today's story... Today's parable out of Matthew chapter 25, we see a similar idea, but it's also very different. You see, the outcome is very different. In hide-and-go-seek, you want to hide so well that the person cannot find you. But someday Jesus will come again for his followers, and we want to be found waiting and ready. Ready and waiting. Waiting with great anticipation, not hiding, not missing in action, not, not to be found, but to be found. We want to not miss out on that great reunion with God. We, not, we want to not miss out on the glory of the presence of God forevermore. So please, again, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, and we'll read here in just a few moments. Today is the final day in the parable series, the great conversational series, and the one with all wisdom and truth has been telling us about the kingdom of God, about salvation, And about kingdom living. Next week is Palm Sunday. And traditionally on Palm Sunday, we talk about the coming of the king. We talk about the coming of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem for his final days as he worked towards the cross for our sake. To pay the price for our sins. But today we will also look to the coming king, but in a different way. You see, today we look to the coming king in the future. His second coming. Actually, we'll get to that in a moment. We started this series talking about the sower, talking about new faith, talking about the seed being planted and growing in one's life. We started this series talking about salvation, but then we've talked about kingdom living along with salvation, and we've talked about the kingdom of God. Today, we look to the coming king coming to take his own into his presence forever 
more. Today we see the culmination of all this salvation that there will be a day when we live as sinful human beings on this earth no longer, but we will be taken up with Jesus to be with him. And my big idea for the day is this. My big idea, if you're taking notes, is this. Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Amen? Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Amen? Yes. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming back. And we must be ready. We must be expectant. We must be prepared for the return of Christ, our King, our Lord, our Savior. When he returns, will he find you waiting in great anticipation? Or will you be hiding, playing a game of hide-and-go-seek because there will be a day when he won't look for you any further, any longer. He will just come and take you up. Will you miss out on this action? Will you be missing in action? Will you be in denial still? Will you be unprepared? Because ready or not, here he comes. Today we will look at the ten virgins, or the ten virgin bridesmaids out of Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Actually, we're going to see about five main characters or groups in this story. We see the wise. We see the foolish. We see Jesus in the church. And we see you, me, all of us. As we look to the application, as we look to our points, as we look to what we should be living and doing in accordance to the word of God. So let's read now from Matthew 25, 1 to 13. As we read, we read this. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, bridesmaids, who took their lamps or torches and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise, you see, the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all those virgins, bridesmaids, rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Verse 10 of Matthew 25, And wow, wow, they were going to buy. The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, afterward, the other virgins the bridesmaids, the bridal party, they came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Knocking at the door. But then he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. And then Jesus gives this warning at the end. Verse 13, he says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You see, the bridegroom will come for the bride and the bridesmaids. Will you be ready? Jesus Christ will come for the church, the universal church, all of his believers, us. Will you be ready? Are you truly a believer? Have you genuinely given your life, submitted to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have you asked him for forgiveness, repented and turned 180? 
and followed after him instead of the worldly desires. You see, some believe this parable that the ten, of the ten virgin bridesmaids to be referring to Jesus coming to take his people up before the tribulation at the rapture. Others believe this to be Jesus returning for judgment of those left behind and at the millennial reign. But either way, I believe we have a great insight here on how we should be living today. If you're taking notes, write this down. We should be living, anxiously living, anxiously waiting and ready, prepared. Anxiously waiting, ready, and prepared. Again, the big idea, Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Before we talk too much about applications for today, though, let's talk about context. You see, I understand that at first glance, first reading, this scripture may be quite confusing, and I have had the benefit, the blessing, of studying and praying through and thinking through and meditating on this word for weeks. And for some of you, this is the first time you've ever read this scripture out of Matthew 25. For some of you, you this may be the first time you've ever heard these words or this warning. Or maybe you've had your eyes open, your ears opened recently, and it's new news to you. It's not the first time you've ever heard it, but it's the first time that's really soaked in. So I want to explain it some. You see, please understand that weddings of this day were quite different than, mo than the modern-day weddings of today. Again, weddings back then were quite different than today, especially when keeping the Jewish customs. You would first have the engagement and then you would have a waiting period. And then you would have the coming of the groom for the bride. Then you would have a wedding processional followed by the wedding and the festivities of the wedding. A great party which could last a week or more. In fact, they didn't do weddings like we do today where they, they said their vows and then off they went to a honeymoon on their own to party. No, they had the great festivities right then and they lasted for days. It was something the entire village would be going to to celebrate. It was something that the entire village would celebrate the bride and the groom coming into town and making their way to that great room. Here the bridesmaids await the groom to come with the bride and begin the wedding and reception. You see, some manuscripts actually reference the groom and the bride coming together, but most just say groom, but... When one understands how the customs were of that day, I think we should see what this would mean. In fact, it has been noted that a wedding in that culture would begin with the bridegroom and his friends picking up the bride at her home. The marriage ceremony would take place. Then the entire wedding party would return to the groom's home for a banquet and a celebration. A reception, if you would. The exact schedule was uncertain, though. The bridegroom's arrival time was not known, but the party and the guests, the bridesmaids, were to be ready to join in. They would have a great processional once the groom and the bride were announced as coming. Here we have five who were ready and wise, five who were unprepared and foolish. And as John Piper said, five of them were foolish and five were wise, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. They took extra. All ten of them had a job to do. They had lamps. 
The lamps were supposed to be ready, ignited when he comes. As Matthew 3.3 3, um, was quoted from Isaiah 43, prepare the way of the Lord. They are preparing the way of the Lord just as they were to prepare the way of the groom and the bride with lamps, leading them as a, in a processional to the festivities. He is coming. Jesus is coming. Light your lamps. Lead him in. This was their job, to light their lamps and lead them in. You had the wise who were ready to do their job, to fulfill their job, and then you had the foolish who were not prepared. They had one job. One job. Have you ever seen those jokes or those movie comments, those book comments? You had one job. One job. And obviously, they did not do that one job, and that's what happened here, too. They had a job, and they would not fulfill their job. These ten women had a job to do. They were supposed to be ready. This is the situation. Oil and the lamps is part of the means by which they get their job done, and yet they didn't have that. If they don't have oil for their lamps, then they are neglecting the means appointed for them to do their work. They're supposed to shine with light. We are supposed to shine with light in this dark and dreary world. We're supposed to be shining the light of Christ as a processional to welcome people in, to show them the way to the reception and to be prepared. But first, let's talk more about the oil. You see, some commentators make connection to the oil being the Holy Spirit in one's life. Five here were spiritually prepared, but five had appearance of faith, but were actually spiritually dead. They were in darkness, not light. So we have the wise ready, prepared, and wise by having the Holy Spirit within them. Then we have the five foolish virgin bridesmaids, part of the wedding party, but were there just for show. They had a good appearance. They had a good look, but they really were dead inside. They were dark. They had no oil for their lamps to light the way. And because of this, they would be left out. It was too late. Here's some more to think about regarding the oil. You see, without the oil, the wedding party was not ready for the bridegroom. Without the Holy Spirit, no one is ready for the return of Christ. One commentator, pastor, gave some great comparisons of the oil to the Holy Spirit. He says olive oil is a good representation of the Holy Spirit for many reasons. One, oil lubricates when used for the purpose of lubricating. And he compares that to the Holy Spirit, saying there is little friction and wear among those who are lubricated by the Spirit of God. He says oil heals and was used as a medical treatment in biblical times. The Spirit of God brings healing and restoration too. Oil lights when it is burned in a lamp. Where the Spirit of God is, there is light. He says oil warms, it heats, when it is used as fuel for a flame. He says where the Spirit of God is, there is warmth and comfort. Oil invigorates when used to massage. The Holy Spirit invigorates us for his service. Oil adorns when applied as a perfume. The Holy Spirit adorns us and makes us more pleasant to be around. Oil polishes when used to shine metal. The Holy Spirit wipes away our grime and smooths us out. And our rough edges disappear. You see, oil has many uses. The Holy Spirit has many uses. But the biggest use, the greatest use of all, 
is Romans 8 9 says that now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. No one is a true Christian without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We must have the Spirit within us. We must have the Spirit of God within us. There's only one way to receive this Spirit, and that's through Jesus Christ. Through the love, grace, mercy of God the Father giving us his Son, yet while we were still sinners, so that we might live. Through the power of the cross, through the power of the resurrection, through a power of a life lived with no sin, a blemishless lamb, that's Jesus. That's Jesus sacrificing himself for us so that we might have this Holy Spirit and have this life abundant. Let's go back and talk about the sleeping now. You see, again, the coming date, the exact timing was unknown of when the groom would come. It is only natural that one may fall asleep. And we notice here that all ten of them became drowsy and slept. But again, we notice that five slept unprepared and the other five slept while prepared. And I bet they slept well too, but not so well that they overslept. They slept well because they knew they were prepared. But I bet the other five did not sleep so well. And in fact, you notice that none of them overslept. They all were awakened when the groom came into town, just as all will be awakened someday when the coming king comes to do judgment or when the coming king comes to rapture up his, his children. All people will notice the millions, the billions disappear. This world must be awakened and prepare for many have no oil today. And there will be a time when it's just too late. Let's talk about the foolish versus the wise and prepared. The foolish waited too long to prepare. They slept on their responsibility, on their jobs. They were unprepared. They were trying to get oil from the others in those final moments. But the others would not give them any oil. And that's okay. It's not wrong. It's not unfair. The oil was their responsibility not the other's responsibilities to give to them. We too cannot get our oil from others. Our faith, our salvation must be our own. We must be prepared by the, for the coming of the Lord through Jesus Christ on our own. There are certain things that you cannot do in the final moments. For instance, how many of you parents here, if your kids came to you today and said, Mom, Dad, I'm getting married, you'd be excited until you heard them say, This afternoon! There's certain things you need to be prepared for. You cannot write a 100-page college dissertation in a day, in a moment. You need to prepare. You cannot prepare for your ACTs or SAT tests, what the high schoolers did this past week, by just showing up in the moment and saying, Teacher, give me some time now, because the teacher will say, No, it's too late. The time has come. This parable warns us, that we have a responsibility. Look to the future and see the need to find faith in Jesus now. And then now, nurture that faith. Use the gifts God gives you as you await Jesus' return too. Again, your faith must be true. And it must be your own. It's only your responsibility. It's not your parents. It's not just because you go to church, you'll go to heaven. So I ask you, have you genuinely asked the Lord into your life? Have you trusted in him as Lord and Savior? Are you taking your faith seriously? You won't get into heaven just by accepting your 
mother and father's instructions. You won't get to heaven just simply by sitting here in a pew or sitting here at home on your couch watching this live stream, watching this service. You must repent. You must say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins, my wrongdoing against a holy God. Please save me. Please help me to follow after you and allow me into your heaven, not based off my works, my good deeds, but off Jesus's. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Have you prayed that? Have you asked God for that? Have you genuinely asked God to save you through Jesus? Have you asked his forgiveness? And are you following after him now? That is what you must do today. And then tell somebody, tell me, tell somebody so we can celebrate with you. For the angels celebrating in heaven. God celebrates, we celebrate with you. Don't go home today without being sure. The take home, the application as we start to wrap up with only a few more pages here, is the return of Christ will happen someday. Will you be ready? Ready or not, here he comes. Are you ready? What about your spouse? What about your children? What about your friends? What about your neighbors? All of them, because we have a responsibility to ourselves, yes. But God gives us another responsibility, and that's the great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. It's still their responsibility to accept, but we still have a commission to go. So are you ready? What about others God has given you in your life? Have you helped them to see the light that you have, the oil that you have? You see, number one, the return of Christ will happen someday, someday soon. Number one, God expects his people to always be prepared and waiting ready for him. But number two, he also expects us to be advancing his kingdom until that day comes. Not sitting idle. Not sitting idle. Look to your neighbor and say, don't sit idle. Don't sit idle. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility. Make sure our lights are shining bright. Make sure we have the oil. Make sure we have flasks. Make sure we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then make sure we are using the Spirit of God and the gifts he gives us to light the way to Christ, to advance God's kingdom in the world while awaiting his return. Pastor and author Brian G. Hedges says that spiritual watchfulness or vigilance is our most neglected spiritual discipline. Spiritual watchfulness involves through self-examination, prayer, and accountability, actively guarding our hearts against sin. He urges us to keep our focus on the Lord. Our goal in keeping our hearts isn't to keep them empty, but to make room for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. Ephesians 3.17 Watchfulness is one of the main points of Jesus' parable here about the bridesmaids. But we also have a responsibility that we see in the parable before and after to go. To use the Spirit wisely. To use the gifts we have wisely. To use the light we have wisely. The bridesmaids and us still today have a very real responsibility. The coming of Jesus Christ is also a very real event. And it will be a blessing or curse for all awaiting, depending on if you have that oil. The five foolish bridesmaids, unprepared, were locked out of the reception, the celebration. They were locked out. They were cursed. 
How about you? How about your family, your friends, and your neighbors? Will you be let in? Will you be knocking? And Jesus just simply say, I do not know you. There will be a day when there is no more time. And the results of eternal exclusion will be devastating. But it's a payment for your sins, which could have been and freed. You could be freed. The chains could be taken away through the blood of Christ. But by not trusting in him for salvation, they will lose everything. So let's apply the word today. Let's apply this message today. Let's remember that the only way to be assured of your salvation is to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. And then those who are saved, we must remain vigilant. The bridegroom, bridegroom could come any day. Jesus could come any day, any time. Do not be locked out. Do not miss his kingdom. Some will go with Jesus. They will disappear. Others will remain. Some will be judged and accepted. Some will be judged and penalized, punished. Let's not listen to him say, I never knew you. Know him. Let's listen to him say, good job, faithful servant. Who will you be? Who will your family and friends be? We have a responsibility. We have a job. Have our light shining bright with oil. Have our light shining bright with oil. And 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Test yourself. Test yourself. Jesus will come again. And in power and glory he will come. How are you preparing for this day? Ready or not, here he comes. Are you building your life on the strong, good foundation of Christ? Or are you building your life, your foundation on things that do not matter? Jesus will come again. And number one, again, God expects his people to always be prepared, waiting, and ready for him. And number two, he also expects us to be advancing his kingdom until that day comes. Not sitting idle. Not sitting idle. You have a responsibility. I think we can sum up this parable and a lot of them before it is this. Three phrases. Be ready. Use your gifts wisely. And love well. Let's pray now. Lord Jesus, indeed, we do not know the day or the hour of your return, but we ask you to make us ready for the day. Help us watch and pray and be ready with oil in our lamps. Lord, we thank you for the life we have through Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice he made. We thank you for him coming to save. And we thank you that we can look forward to him coming back someday soon. May we be prepared, waiting, and ready, Lord. And may we be spreading the gospel to all the nations, helping his kingdom grow now through your light, through the light of Christ. Amen.